Wonderful singing this morning. Please stay standing for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in the book of Luke this morning, chapter 1, starting in verse 46. And it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's pray. Father God, we open up our service. We preach your word, God. We pray that you would have your way with our hearts, God. We pray that you would work in us and do in us um, great works, God. We all bring things and issues and things that we're thinking about a multitude of ideas into our church service this morning, God. So would you help us to just concentrate on your word and God, that you'd be lifted high. So we turn our time over to you, God. And, and most of all, we pray that you'd be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, my name is Andy. I'm the counseling uh, pastor here. It's just, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for being here. What a good-looking crowd. Why are you laughing? You're a good-looking crowd. I'm teasing. Great. Great to have you here, really. And I'm so thankful uh, to be able to preach this morning. It's a great joy to, to be able to share God's Word with you. Um, this morning's message is out of Luke chapter 1, and it's, it's uh, Mary's song of praise. It's good news to the humble. It's good news to the humble. We're in it, aren't we? We're in the Christmas season. It's here. It's, <laughs> it's here. Oh, boy. And, you know, we've turned the corner. We've turned the corner of Thanksgiving. Happens every year, doesn't it? We turn that corner, and then uh, we got lights on the house. We've, uh, the lights. Julie and I picked up our Christmas tree yesterday. You know, I was going to. I didn't tell the story in the first service. This is bonus. One year we got a Christmas tree and it was painted green. That's not very Christmassy. We got a good tree. We got a really good tree this year. Yeah, we get the trees, the gift buying. Yeah, great. Gift buying. Love buying gifts, trees, Hallmark movies. We have this little thing we do at our house. It's not original to us. My mother-in-law started it, where we watch Hallmark movies, but we guess the plot before the movie starts. I always choose that he's a veterinarian. She's probably some kind of an editor, book editor from the big city. They need to get to a small town called Christmastown. You know what I'm talking about. 
Hallmark movies. Nobody gets hurt in those. I was just talking with somebody out in the foyer. Everything's happy in a Hallmark movie. But it is the Christmas season, praise God. And this, Josh mentioned it, this, you know, rejoice event starts the the moving of our Christmas season. You're already in the spirit. You're already thinking about it. Special time for Christians. Christmas is a special time. It's it's a holy time. It's a time of uh, great joy and celebration and remembrance. And the Christmas season is a specific time that we're we're encouraged to embrace supernatural things. You ever thought about that before? Supernatural things. We're we're encouraged we're encouraged to embrace the supernatural work of God. Like we remember and learn and lean into the work of God, his divine plan of salvation that's brought to you and me in the person of his son Jesus and every year Year after year after year after year, we're encouraged to embrace his supernatural work. God's wonderful supernatural work of his grace that's exemplified in him sending his son to save us. It's wonderful. And so year after year, we're encouraged to embrace it. God's work on our behalf. And we're encouraged to set aside our Western rational thought. Isn't that right? Like, we're we're called to set aside what we would normally think and believe in the supernatural act of God. That God would send His Son. And that His Son would take on human flesh. That's the incarnation. That means made of flesh. The Son of God took on human flesh. And he wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in great circumstances. He was born in humble, humble circumstances. And Jesus the baby came not to stay a baby, but to save people from their sin, to be our Savior. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. And so every year at Christmas, after Thanksgiving, we round the corner, and it's a focused, holy time to reflect on God's magnificent plan, and it is wonderful for Christmas to think about it. For Christians to embrace it, it's an incredible work of God for us. And so this morning we grab a hold of Luke chapter 1 and just some of the backdrop of Luke because it's really important to the story, the supernatural work of God. And we're talking about Mary's song, her song of praise. And the backdrop is that the angel Gabriel... Again, the supernatural work of God comes to Mary in Luke, verses uh, 26 through 28 in chapter 1. And he speaks to her. And it wasn't the first time that he had delivered fantastic news. 
He's a frequent visitor. We see him in Daniel chapter 8. He appears to Daniel to explain to him his vision. And we see Gabriel in Luke chapter 1, verse 19. He talks to Zechariah. He talks to Elizabeth about their son, John the Baptist. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says that Gabriel says, Well, I was sent from God to Nazareth to a virgin who was betrothed to Joseph. And verse 28, it says, He says to Mary, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And that's really similar to what he says to Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. He says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor, as he's in the wine press, treading grain. And to Mary, he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. It's very interesting. And it's the announcement of the biggest news in the world. Jesus is the biggest news in the world. And he continues with Mary in verse 30. And he says, hey, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then he says, and behold, you, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you will call him Jesus. And he will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, Mary, will have no end. Fantastic. You could just imagine Mary. How? Well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child will, that's born will be called Holy, the Holy Son of God. And we agree, don't we, that that's absolutely miraculous and incredible? And so we're encouraged to set aside our Western rational thinking. Well, that's just not conceivable. This is the Word of God, which has no error and is completely true. And this is what we think of when we celebrate at Christmas time with the supernatural work of God coming together in the virgin birth, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And Mary is given this, this fantastic news that she would conceive and bear a son even though she had never been with a man and that he would be called Jesus and that Jesus' very name in Hebrew is Yeshua, which means Jehovah saves. Aren't you glad this morning that God thinks of every detail? Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says, And she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he has saved his people from their sin. And Isaiah chapter 4 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God doesn't spare any detail. John MacArthur says, 
Gabriel delivered the most astounding and significant birth announcement ever. His words about the divine child, Jesus, constitutes a summary of the entire person and work of our Lord and Savior. Do you know that God does the best baby reveals ever? And what was Mary's response? What was her response to all this? She said, behold, I'm, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it, let it be to me according to your word. And Gabriel departs. What a, what a humble response. What a humble response. And so Mary's song in verses 46 through 56, they, they reflect Mary's humble heart. She's a believer in God. She's a believer in God with a heartfelt desire to fully cooperate with God's plan. And her song is rich and full of humble, submissive truths to God. It's joyful praise to Him and dependence on Him. Her song is a model. It's a model chock full of praise and accurate truth and humble worship and right responses to God that we would just be wise to take note of and better implement in our life. We'd be wise to implement those responses in our life. If you respond to your circumstances like Mary responds to hers, you're in great company. You're in really, really, really good company, especially this time of year when we celebrate, because that's what Christmas season does, doesn't it? It, 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 it pushes in, and it, it, it's like a pinpoint. It, it makes us focus on responses because Christ's birth is miraculous. And it's supernatural. And you know, as I prepared this morning, I think, why a song? Why, why sing a song? And just tell you a quick story. I'm not a great singer. I might disguise it with humming or something. But Brandon and I were out calling. And we were down here by Casey's. We had talked to some people, we had gone calling, we were kind of wrapping things up. Have you spent much time around Brandon? You guys are chuckling. <laughs> Brandon's a great guy. He's a good guy. He's a sinner, but he's a good guy. Right? I'm thinking about calling. Brandon's thinking about singing. And so we bust into song. Bing Crosby, guess what he was singing? Nope. Meli Kaliki Maka is, <laughs> is the thing we say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. <laughs> it's the island greeting that we send to you from a land where palm trees sway. That might, do, that might be the best singing I've ever done, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for what you provide. You know what? It certainly made me. It really. It made me smile. It made me happy. 
And here's the thing. I got the song in my head, and I couldn't get it out of my head. I think I even turned to Brandon. I'm like, way to go, Brandon. You, uh, you got this song in my head, and now I can't get it out. I can't get it out. He just continued to sing. Why do we sing? Well, it's, it's our heart's response to the joy we feel for the gratitude we have. What it is. Brandon dropped into song because he was happy. And we can't help but sing back to the one who deserves all the praise and glory for all the joy we feel. We sing because we're happy in our heart. Same thing with Mary. Same thing with Mary. Her singing is her heart's response, full of humility, full of joy. Spurgeon says this about Mary's song. He says, Mary's heart was merry within her, but there was the, it was the mark of her joy. It was holy merriment. It was every drop of it, sacred mirth. Why do we sing? Because we're happy. Mary's response in her song of praise really serves as an example of the humble, thankful responses that we should give for the joy we feel because God has looked on us favorably. By sending his son to meet all the demands that holy God requires. So this morning, I want us to notice three responses in Mary's song of praise that that we should that we should respond with in the circumstances of our life, especially in the Christmas season. First response, if you know him, if you know him, you can't help but praise him. So praise him. Psalm 150 says this, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in the sanctuary. Praise him in in the mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. And praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And look what Mary says in verse 46. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. That word for magnify in the Greek is megaluno, and it means to make large, to magnify, to increase, to make conspicuous, which is the opposite of inconspicuous. Inconspicuous would be, oh, I, I, don't, I didn't even notice that. That, it, that didn't mean anything to me. But that's not what it means. It means to make it obvious or evident. And so when I think about God, my praise rises. It should rise. I want him to be enlarged in my life. I want him to be huge in my life. Look, when God saves you, you can't help but make him large out of humble gratitude for what he's done. 
in sending his son to save you and me. People should notice him in our life. Amen? Live your life to magnify God. Live your life to magnify God. Let him be obvious in your life. Let him be obvious that he's at the center of your life. Mary did. Magnifying God in this season with whatever you have going on, with whatever you have going on, that's the right response. And right now, right now is the best time to see the greatness of God on display in your life and let everybody else see it. His divine plan of grace that's extended to us. To those of us, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. Let it be on full display. And you know, we don't deserve it. He sent his son to her to be born a human baby, to ultimately take away our sin. And we should be openly celebrating it. We should be openly celebrating it. Her response to her circumstances were absolutely spot on. They were absolutely spot on. So magnify God in your life. Make him conspicuous. Make him obvious. Start that today. We've rounded the corner of Thanksgiving. We're in the Christmas season. Start that today. And her spirit rejoices, verse 47, and so should yours. The word for rejoice, it isn't some general word, oh, rejoice, rejoice. It means that she was exceedingly glad. That's what it means. Extreme joy. Her spirit had extreme joy. We would say it maybe this way. Well, I was just so happy, I couldn't hardly contain myself. Right? <laughs> The kind of joy in knowing God's favor turned towards you and sending his son to save you and saving you by faith when you believe him, that can't be contained. That should not be contained. That should, that should result in resounding joy. It has to work itself out. It has to work itself out in uncontainable joy. When I comprehend what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's love? It should move me to a place, shouldn't it? It should move us to a place of, of extreme joy. And so as believers in Christ, we have an, it's an open invitation. It's an open invitation to rejoice and rejoice in God for what he's done. Are you praising God with extreme joy? for the circumstances of your life? Do you praise God with extreme joy, extreme gladness for the circumstances of your life? He sent his son to be born a baby and her spirit rejoices. If you don't know him, by the way, you aren't a believer in Jesus. Now is the time to believe in Christ. Now is the time to put your faith and trust in Christ and have 
extreme awesome gladness in your circumstances. He makes, Jesus is the difference maker. He's the difference maker in your rejoicing. And Christmas time is the perfect time to rejoice and let the world know it. And it's unmistakable that Mary calls her Savior. He does, she does call him Savior. That Mary was a sinner in need of saving. It's obvious from the verse. Only sinners need a Savior. And Mary leaves no question about who her Savior is. And that led to her rejoicing. And in verse 48, she says, For he, God, he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Do you hear the humility in that? It's unmistakable. Like Mary has a high view of God and a humble view of herself. And that's really important. That's what we need. That's a really good model. We need a high view of God and a humble view of ourselves. You know what amazes me as I as I think about it? Mary, by some accounts, she might have been thirteen. Thirteen. Can you imagine? Being 13 and managing all the thoughts and emotions that come with the news that she just got, that's a mind blower. I mean, what else could you do with that information but have faith and trust in God or not? What were you doing when you were 13? Now, the first service, I heard some chuckles. I think about what I was doing when I was 13. I won't tell you, but they weren't all great. She was just told that she would carry and give birth to the Son of God. Now, that kind of information will push you to two ditches, okay? That information will utterly terrorize you, or it will completely inflate your ego with conceit. You know, we're a, we're, we're a counseling ministry at Living Waters. We love to meet with people. We love to talk with people. We love to counsel from the Word of God. And I can tell you from experience, both personally and just in a counseling sense as I've met with people, we have, because we meet with people day in, day out, week by week by week, and I can tell you with absolute confidence that there are people that have trouble managing way less information than what Mary is managing. The things that have been brought into her life and her responses are notable to turn your attention to God and praise Him for blessing her. What's your responses to the troubles and issues in your life? Christmas is good news to the humble if God has saved you and you don't deserve saving. But he saved you because he's gracious and he's kind. 
C.J. Mahaney says it best. He says, consider your own life for a moment. Where would you be today if Jesus hadn't ransomed you, if he hadn't liberated you? Well, I'll tell you where you'd be. You'd be self-sufficient, seeking to cultivate self-confidence for the purpose of your own self-glorification. And I would just add, you probably wouldn't be succeeding at it very well, and you wouldn't be feeling very good about it because it's a hollow pursuit. And MacArthur says, well, who then is a true worshiper of God? Well, a believing person. It's a person who's selfless, humble and selfless. The more selfless or humble you are, the more likely you are to worship him who deserves it. And Christmas, this Christmas season is a particular time when we get, to, we get to funnel all the blessings that we have and focus them right on the one who gives them. The culture wants us to focus on ourselves. But this is Christmas. Don't let, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. When Mary says, all people will call me blessed, this, this isn't an ego trip. This isn't an ego trip. She's, she's a nobody. She's a nobody. A common girl. She's not notable. She's not royalty. MacArthur says she's probably blown away that a holy God would look on such a sinner and bless her. She knows that God is holy and righteous. And in that understanding, she funnels all of her praise to him because she believes in him. And she, she counts herself unworthy and blessed. And the more you understand your sin, the more you see God's holiness and majesty. And it makes you more thankful for the blessings you have and the great gift it is to be saved by faith and God's grace. Look, your level of humility and thankfulness to God is in proportion to your understanding of your utter sinfulness before before a holy God and his utter holiness and grace in saving you. This is the season. This is the season. This is a great time to turn your attention and remember God's great grace in blessing you. The blessings that you don't deserve. But you get because God is gracious. Cling to that. Cling to that. The second thing, remember who, remember who he is and what he's done. Make him the main thing. Mary remembers what God has done. Mary remembers what he's done. Verse 49, she says, For he who is mighty, he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. It's like it's her testimony. It's like it's her testimony. We're going to have, we're going to have a membership meeting today. And members give their testimony that testimony has components. And part of those components are, this is, what, this is how I live my life. This is what God has done for me. And you know, we all have stories. I got a million of them. And you know what we usually do? We usually make ourselves the superstar of our own stories. That's what we do. That's pride. I've done it. You've done it. But it, it is interesting that as Mary works through her praise, she uses words like mighty and holy and 
merciful. These are, these are God's attributes. She uses, she, she talks back to God, his attributes. And nothing will work to keep you humble more than concentrating on the attributes of God rather than you. And that's the truth. In the circumstances of your life, like Mary, you think about, you think about God's attributes. When you're tempted to think about you, think about him. Think about him. We've rounded the corner. This is the Christmas season. This is the perfect time. Year after year after year after year, we're encouraged to think about him and to make him the main thing. And you know, a humble heart remembers and makes it all about, all about him. That's what Mary did. And I just had this conversation with someone just a couple of days ago. And I made this statement. And I said, you know what happens is we just get ourselves into real trouble when we think about ourselves so much. When we make ourselves the focus of every story. And you and I, we think about ourselves most of the time. Most of our conversations are inward, directed at ourselves, and we're not always thinking great things. The worst thing that I can do is concentrate on me all the time. And when I'm the superstar of all my stories, God isn't. And so when I think about myself so much, I'm not thinking about God. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And you know, I love how the NASB puts it. Verse 49, Mary says, The mighty one has done great things for me. That word for great, it means measurable. It means it has dimension. It occupies space. It's undeniable. It's obvious. It means that God has done measurable things for me. When you think about your story, is it all about you? Or is it all about God and how he's done measurable, measurable things for me? This is a great season to talk to other people about the measurable things that God has done for us. We're in this space. Think about our church. Has God not done measurable things for us? I mean, I remember, I remember, this might be the produce section. Maybe. I remember when this is a produce section. I come in this building and I look at aisles and I, I think about things in my head. That was the tobacco section all the way over there, right? And all down the, Some of you are chuckling because you're like, yeah, I get it. I think about that too. Like, these are measurable blessings that God has brought into our life. Christmas is a golden opportunity to talk about the unmistakable, measurable things that God has done. You can look at it. You can see it. You can't hide Jesus. You can't hide Jesus. He's a physical reality. He's a baby. He's, he's physically born. He's flesh and blood. He's a flesh and blood baby. And God promises that Mary will carry that physical baby, the Savior of the world, and she'll carry the Son of God and she'll deliver him. And he's going to change everything, not just her 
It's not just her. She gets it. He's going to radically change everything the way everybody is encouraged to think about their life. And her song of praise is good news because her response isn't about her. It's not about her. And so verse 49 says, he's done great things for me. Let's just address that briefly. Mary gets this far in her responses about how wonderful God is and it would be totally inconsistent for her to reflect on her own goodness at this point. It's not all about her. She knows that. When you tell people what God's done in your life, you mention you. Mention you but you would say something like, God has been so good to me. God has really helped me. God has really done a great work in me. The emphasis is on God. This Christmas season is a great opportunity for you to get your emphasis right. That's what Christmas does. It realigns our emphasis. Her humble praise makes a beeline for God. What fantastic thing God has done. His great mercy. How he would interact with such a sinner and bless her in such a great way to include her as part of God's plan. And her praise is unmistakable. And it's unmistakable that God's the superstar. And so when you talk about you, do you make it all about you? Or do you make it all about him in your conversations? You should. Mary's song is good news to the humble because her responses are an example of genuine, humble praise to God, the kind that we should have. And so God working in us and saving us, we don't turn our attention to ourselves, we turn our attention to Him. Don't make it all about you. Don't make it all about you. And lastly, God has a plan and He's carrying it out. Don't forget it. Remember it. Remember it. I, I cried a little bit at the first service. I thought I wouldn't cry this service. And I remember when I remember my birthday. Um, my mom would call me every birthday without fail. And here's how the conversation would go. Oh boy. Andy, I remember the day that you were born. And I think she meant it in a positive. Oh, what a day. Uh, you know, I told your dad, I told Maynard, we got to hurry up. We got to get there. But, you know, your dad didn't listen. And uh, so, well, we got there. But, you know, you weren't born in a hospital room. You were born on a gurney. Yes, Mom. I know. I know. Yep, you tell me every year. Why did she tell me every year? Why did she tell me every year? Because she didn't want me to forget. She didn't want me to forget. And I think we do it with our kids too. You know? Those stories weave themselves into us, they become our history. They become part of our testimony. They become, they become ingrained in, in us and who we are. 
Because we don't want to forget. And we don't want people to forget. Why did my mom, why did my mom call me year after year and tell me the same old story? I knew where we were going with it. I'm going to be on a gurney. Because she doesn't want you to forget. And so you see it in verses 51 through 56. Mary is doing what we all do. She's telling the story of the history of the events of the past. And those events sit in a context of her understanding of God's redemptive plan. His redemptive plan. She praises God and she reflects on the history of God's greatness and the things that he's done down through time. And Jesus is the culmination of God's work down through time, and she's so blessed to be a part of it. And you have a story. You have a story that God has worked in you. If you're a believer in Jesus, he's worked in you down through time to bring a culmination of things where you have, you know, it's one of the things we talk about in testimonies, which is, do you have a, a time where you could relate to the crossover, like faith and trust in Jesus? So she's telling the story of the events, and she praises God, and she reflects on the history of his greatness and the things that he's done. God has shown the strength of his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He brings the mighty down from their thrones and exalted those in humble estate. God saves humble people. He's filled the hungry with, with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary knew stuff. She knew the history of her people, and she knew she knew. And believed what God was telling her, her place in this, in this real event. It wasn't make-believe. It was real. And she knew Old Testament knowledge. She had Old Testament knowledge. And it's the story of work and action down through history. And she knows Old Testament stuff like these references, like Psalm 34.2 and Isaiah 45.21 and and Genesis 30.30, and Psalm 126.3. She knows the history of God's work through the ages, and she recounts in it her praise of God, especially the promises to Abraham. So she recounts it. He scatters the proud. He brings down the mighty. He exalts, fills the hungry, sends the rich away, been a helper to his chosen people. And she remembers Abraham. She references God's covenant with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant found in, in Genesis chapter 12. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. And so she remembers God's promise to him and that he would bless through Abraham, through his seed. And she remembers the work of God down through time in such a way that Jesus will be the culmination 
of God's great promises to all people. MacArthur says this, Mary is saying God who promised way back in Genesis 12 salvation to and through um, uh, to and through God is bringing that salvation to pass by his mercy, by his mercy in her life. And her praise is to the one who blesses her as part of that plan. So when you think about God's work in your life in this Christmas season, do you focus rightly on God? You remember how he's worked in your life? Maybe he's working right now. It's awesome. Don't discount it. Don't just wave it off. Say, that's hoopla. Lean into it. Lean into God's work in your life. There's something, there's something that binds us and blesses us, binds us together as we remember our stories. When we remember how God has worked in our lives and we direct our praise back to him when we individually and then corporately make so much of God. That's why we're here. It's the testimony of every believer. It's the testimony of our church to, to recount and re-remember and reiterate how God is working in us. Not because we're great, but because he's awesome. His miraculous work in saving us and working in our lives. And humble people, humble people waste no time in directing their attention back to the one who deserves it. So let's not waste time with thinking about ourselves so much. Let's magnify God. Let's start that today. Let's make him, let's remember him and his great work and remember how he's working in our lives, how he's worked in our lives. And when we talk to one another, let's use this season as a springboard to talk less about ourselves and our own accomplishments and more about Jesus and his accomplishments. Amen. And maybe that's not you. Maybe you're like, I, I have no context for that, Andy. I, I, I don't even know if, I don't even know if I know him. I'd say, well, Christmas is not void in that department either. Julie and I have this little, uh, this little Advent book um, that we're working through, and Paul Tripp says something that I really like. This is for you. If, if you're like, I don't know Jesus, Christmas is now for you to believe. Here's what he says. Christmas is an indictment before it becomes a delight. It won't have its intended effect on you until you feel your need for a Savior desperately. Desperately. Not only is Christmas a great time of joy, it's a time of desperation for people that need Him. Trust Him. Believe in Him. If that's you. If that's you. And you need to be saved. There, there is just no better time than now to put your faith and trust in Jesus who came to this earth to save you from your sin. And if you are a believer, let's think about God and magnify him greatly. Let's really enjoy remembering the blessing that it is to be saved and God's good grace extended to us that don't deserve it. Acts 16.31 says, 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's you this morning. I'd love to talk to you after the service. Be up here after the service. Pastor Josh can be up here too. And we would love to talk with you. If you would like to talk about how great God is and how magnificent he is and how awesome and supernatural Christmas is and we're believing in it and we love it and we're excited about it, love to talk to you about that too. But let's not waste any time and let's get busy with bringing great glory to the one who deserves it. Let's pray. God, your word is true. And it's good. And it's good for our soul. And it's good and it's instructive, God, and it helps us understand that we need to think about ourselves so much less and think about you so much more. God, would you burn in our mind Mary's responses and that those would serve as a model in a way, God, for, for the way that we should respond to the circumstances of our life. And we understand it, Lord. We get it. Mary's not the ultimate example. Jesus is. Jesus is our ultimate example in everything. And he, he is the epitome of humility, God, who goes to the cross, is born of a baby, humble circumstances, goes to the cross for us to redeem us. May we be thinking about that, God. Help us in the time to come to focus on the one who deserves our praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.